Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. I want to talk to you today about seven keys to healthy relationships. This may be in your marriage. This may be uh, with friends, co-workers, whatever it is. I want to give you seven keys to healthy relationships. You know, as a culture, we are more busy and more distracted than ever before. And I think that that robs us somewhat in our relationships with one another. Because we're so distracted that it's easier to be on a device than be connected face to face. So I want to talk to us today and just give us seven keys to healthy relationships. A great life isn't filled with great things. A great life is filled with great people. Because we all know people who have a lot of things and are not happy. And then we all know people who don't have a lot of things, but they have great relationships and they are very happy. Right? So a great life isn't a life filled with a lot of things. It's a life filled with great people. As a pastor, I've had the privilege of being with people. And some of you could tell this story as well. Being with people at the end of their life. Knowing that there were hours away from death. And in those moments, I've never seen one of them call for their CPA. I've never seen one of them have to see their banker. But I've seen plenty of them saying, get my son. Where's my daughter? I need to see my brother. I need to see my sister. Because in the end, what really matters is not what we've accumulated. It's the people that we're surrounded with. And we didn't make sure that our relationships are healthy. And the goal isn't to just be in relationship. The goal is to be in healthy relationships. So I want to give you these seven keys to healthy relationships. The first one is time. Healthy relationships require Time And, you know, time is costly. Let's be honest. The two greatest commodities we have outside of our family is really our time and our money. And time can be expensive and time can be costly. But if you're going to have a healthy relationship, it's going to require some time, right? I have. Pastor Jacob told me a story years ago about a youth pastor that he knew that had a, a youth group and he had done a retreat. And at the, the last night of the retreat, he asked for people to lay things down and give things to the Lord, kind of sur- a moment of surrender. And he, he talked about how in that moment, some kids ended relationships and some kids brought drugs. And one girl who was in his youth group, whose father was very wealthy, walked up to the youth pastor and handed him a very expensive Rolex watch. And he looked at the girl and he said, tell me what this is. And she said, my father has always substituted spending time with me by buying me expensive gifts. And every time I look at this, it gives me a false hope of a real relationship with my dad. And I want to let it go. That next week, the youth pastor made an appointment with the girl's father 
He went to the man's office and he sat across from him and he put that watch on the desk and slid it forward. And the man looked at him and said, what are you doing with my daughter's watch? I gave her that watch. It's an expensive watch. And he told him the story and he looked at that man and he said, sir, this may be an expensive watch, but it's a cheap substitute for your time that your daughter is longing for. And listen, some of us have resources to give and some of us don't. But what matters most isn't your resources, it's that you're willing to give people your time, right? Because healthy relationships require time. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon, the, the, the writer says that there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance. And listen, you can have fun with many people, but when it comes down to the important things in life, moments of grieving, walking through struggles, you can only do that with people you really have a connection with. And can I just tell you, God wants us work, work, walking in healthy relationships but the enemy does it. And right, the enemy is always working against the plan of God. And many times we're not f- there for people when they need it because the enemy has convinced us that we won't have the right words to say, that we won't be there at the right time. Can I just tell you, you don't have to have the right words. You just got to be willing to give people yourself and your time, right? Think about Matthew 11. We see the story in Matthew 11 of Lazarus, Jesus's friend, who has died. And the Bible says that Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, called for Jesus. And Jesus gets there. This is the Messiah. This is, he was fully God and fully man. He had all the wisdom he needed. And he knew that Lazarus was about to come out of that tomb. But the Bible says that when he got to the gravesite, he didn't give great wisdom. He didn't speak great words of healing and comfort. He simply wept. Right? You remember that? Jesus wept. He wept. He was there for them. Can I just tell you, sometimes people don't need our eloquence. People don't need our wisdom. They simply need our time. So healthy relationships are going to require time. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who who weep. All right. So this isn't a message about marriage, but I'm going to give you a couple of marriage tips throughout this. Is that okay? All right, so men, this one's for you. So our wives need connection. So every woman is wired by God with a need for security and protection. Not financial security or physical protection, but emotional, relational, all those things, right? So a woman feels secure and protected in her marriage or in her relationship with her significant other when she feels connected to him. And she feels connected through healthy communication, right? So healthy communication leads to connection. Connection leads to security and protection. So I play golf, right? Because it's a manly sport. So um, I play golf. I come home after five hours and Tara goes, what'd y'all talk about? And I say the same thing all of you would. It's just one word. Men, what is it? Nothing. Right. What I really want to say that I don't say is, why do you care? It's me and my partners. Right. Why do you care? But she wants to talk about it so she can feel connected to my world, because when she feels connected to my world, then she feels secure and protected in our relationship. Right. 
And so, men, guess what? Communication requires time. I get paid to talk for a living. Ask Tara the number one issue in our marriage. She's going to say communication because it's just the difference in how we're wired. So many times in marriage, like in my house, when things aren't, aren't, aren't good, I'll just put it that way. You know, I'll go, that's just Tara being Tara. And I'm sure she's thinking that's just David being. Many times that's just her being a woman and me being a man. And we just think differently. Right. And so, men, if we're going to have a healthy marriage, if we're going to have healthy relationships with our spouse, we're going to have to invest time through communication so they can feel connected and they can feel secure and protected in their marriage. Women, is that right? All right. And now, now listen, women, let me just tell you another little tip. I didn't give the first service this one. I'm just giving it to you. So you're going to have one. up. All right. So one of the differences between I'll give you two tips. So one of the differences between men and women is women. Y'all are very clued in. And we're clueless. I'm being serious. As men, we're clueless. Right. There are times when I've counseled somebody, couples all day long. And then I get a text from Terry going, we need to talk. And, I, and it's just a text, but I know what she's saying. Oh, we need to talk. I can just see her body moving. I'm like, oh. And then I get home and she's like, do you realize when you were? I'm like, I didn't even. How am I helping all these people? And I didn't even see this. Right. Ladies, we need you to help us by telling us what we need to know. Women make this huge mistake by saying, well, if I have to tell him, it's not going to be. Listen, listen, listen. If you take that approach, you're going to live frustrated. We're clueless. We don't know what we're doing. Help us. Right, men? Oh, you bunch of sissies. All right. So (laughs) the other thing is this. One of the other differences between men and women is this. Now, if y'all come to counseling, I'm giving all my secrets. So so one of the other differences between men and women is this. When women don't know how to do something, they figure it out. When men don't know how to do something, many times we do nothing. Because we're ego driven and we don't want to admit we don't know what we're doing. It's why men don't want to go to counseling, including me. I remember being married about three years when Tara said, we need to go see a counselor. And I said, girl, I'm the only counselor you need. Right. She didn't buy that. Right. Because we don't want to sit in front of another person, especially another man, and go, I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know how to fix my wife. Right. And so, men, you can't take the approach of doing nothing. You got to engage. Right. All right. That's my marriage tip for you. All right. So it takes time. So a while back, I was counseling this couple and very, very wealthy couple. Um, He made a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And they lived in a beautiful, beautiful, very expensive home. And he had just bought her a vehicle that was about $150,000. And they had just gotten back from Europe. And now they're sitting in my office and she's complaining about her marriage. And he says this to her. What are you talking about? Look at the house we live in. Look at the car I just bought you. Look at the trips we get to take. And she said this to him. I would rather live in a trailer and feel connected to you than live where we live and hardly ever speak to you or see you. Men, here's what you need to know. We think our wives want provision. And I'm not saying they don't enjoy provision, but more than provision, they want connection with us. Ladies, is that true? 
Our wives want connection with us. So ladies, here's, here's the deal. Here's what you need to know about us. We are goal-driven. Men are goal-driven, right? I'm not saying y'all aren't. I'm just saying we're, we're goal-driven. And, and so when we saw you and started dating you, like we did everything we had to do to win you. Like we sent flowers, wrote cards. We brushed our teeth every day for you. Don't ever make light of that. And then we said, I do. And we checked the box. And then we went to the next goal. And that is to provide for you. And for us, it looks the same. It's love for us because God wired us as men to provide. And when we're providing and providing well, we feel very good about ourselves. But men, if the people you're living to provide for feel disconnected from you and left out, something's out of balance. Because who cares if you provide if we provide for them, but they don't feel connected to us. So sometimes we got to step back and reevaluate. Right. All right. So. First thing a healthy relationship needs is time. Second thing it needs is truth. Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. My closest friends, the people who really love me, love me enough to say what other people who only say they love me won't say to me. My closest friends love me enough to say... What other people who say they love me won't say to me because the people who really love me are willing to risk our relationship to help me be better. A lot of people will tell you what you want to hear, but not a lot of people will tell you what you need to hear. Right. And let's be honest. We all have blind spots. We all have areas in our lives that we think are normal, but are really not normal. Or we think are healthy, but they're really not healthy. Right. And what we need is someone to be honest with us. To help us see what we can't see in ourselves. One of the mistakes we make in marriage and in relationships with marriage, we go into marriage with these expectations. Right. And we think it's normal, maybe because of how we grew up or it's just because that's our leanings or our inklings. And we think it's normal until we verbalize it. The most unhealthy thing in a marriage is unspoken expectations, because it's not until you speak your expectations do you give your spouse the opportunity to say that's not realistic or that's not healthy. When Tara and I got married, you know, I didn't get married till I was 36. I know it's hard to believe as good looking as I am. And if I had these tennis shoes, I'd be married by 20. She would have lost out. I'm just telling you. So um, so when Tara and I got married, I was 36. My parents owned rent houses on so, you know, in southwest West Louisiana, we are dysfunctionally connected to our families. Right. And so we all most of our family lived in walking distance of my mom and dad and they owned rent houses on their street. And so I was living in an upstairs, this upstairs, cool apartment, this bachelor pad and only paying two hundred dollars a month. OK, right across the street from my mom and dad. And so when we got married, I had the brilliant idea because I was going to move in with Tara and her daughter across town. I had the brilliant idea that, Tara, I'm going to keep my apartment. And on the weekends, we'll just go and stay there. That makes complete sense. It's only $200 a month. And she looked at me. She said, David, you need to decide right now. Do you want to be married to me or do you want to be close to your mama? I'm like, well, can't we do both? Like, uh, right. I gave up the apartment. Right. But listen, 
it sounded completely normal to me. But when I think back on it, I'm like, of course she didn't let me keep my apartment across the street from my mama, right? But listen, that's why we speak our expectations and give our spouse the ability to say, hey, this isn't healthy or this isn't realistic. But can I just tell you, you need some people in your life that you give permission to be honest with you. Because sometimes people aren't honest with us because they don't know how we'll receive it. And they don't know how we'll react to it. I have two, I have a lot of friends, but I have two very, very, very close friends. One guy's named Doug. He lives in Lafayette. And, and the other one is a pastor in Lake Charles. His name is Paul. And I regularly tell those guys, hey, I want you to please love me enough to, to tell me what I can't see in myself. Please point out my blind spots. I give them permission because I want them to feel the freedom to love me enough to be honest with me. All right. Now, listen, let me just tell you, not has not everyone has permission to be honest with me. There are other people I don't because they don't really they're not really for my benefit. They just want to be critical of me. Right. And you know how that is. You got a whole lot of people who always want to be in your business telling you what you should be doing. It shouldn't be. I'm not talking, I'm talking about people who, you know, you can trust and give them permission. All right. So we need time, healthy relationships, need time, truth. And number three, they need generosity. Healthy relationships need generosity. Proverbs 11 verses 24 and 25 says this. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Can I tell you, when we talk about generosity in a relationship, it's simply living with the same attitude as God. Think about this. God wanted a relationship with us. And so through generosity, he gave his only son to die on a cross, to pave the way, to make the way for us to walk in relationship with him. But it doesn't stop at the cross. No, the Bible says, think about the Bible. I think Lamentations 3, somewhere it says, that God's mercies are new every morning, that his grace is sufficient. Can I just tell you, God's generosity never comes to an end. And healthy relationships needs some generosity. We need to be generous with one another. Be frugal with yourselves and generous with others. When I'm around generous people, it makes me want to be more generous. You? It makes me want to be more generous And can I just tell you, it's the law of sowing and reaping. The Bible says that as you sow, you will also reap. That as you sow generosity, it will come back to bless you. But our healthy relationships need generosity and need enthusiasm. Need generosity. I'm so sorry. When I'm helping people with depression, I give them this tip and it didn't originate with me, but I'll encourage them. And I'm not talking about debilitating clinical depression. I'm just talking about, I'll tell, hey, why don't you go and bake some cookies? And then why don't you bundle those cookies up in five? Or, and then why don't you go to a nursing home and just go and sit with people and give them something in a way that they can't pay you back and watch their face because so many people in there have been forgotten So many people in there never have anyone come to visit them. And if you'll just go and sow joy, because remember remember this, Genesis chapter 2 says that every seed will reproduce after its own kind. 
Go read Genesis, Genesis chapter two, and then we see it multiple times that every seed will reproduce after its own kind. You don't plant an orange tree and get apples, right? Can I just tell you, if you want to reap joy, go sow some joy. You want to reap peace, go sow some peace. You want to reap, every seed will reproduce after its own kind. And so be generous with the people that you want to walk in relationship with. All right, so we need time, we need truth, we need generosity, and then number four, we need enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm is derived from the Greek words in and theos. Enthusiasm means to be God-filled. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 7 says this, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Carry yourself as if God was with you and in you, because he is. And since God is with us, it should, it should affect how we function in relationship. I don't know about you, but I like being around happy people. Right? I like being around happy people. I like being around people who just have the joy of the Lord. I like, because it's, it's better for me, Right? And so we need some enthusiasm in order to walk in healthy relationships. Listen, you should be a thermostat, not a thermometer. When you walk into the room, you shouldn't be there to take the temperature. You should be there to change the temperature. That as a Christ follower, you're walking in with the joy of the Lord. You're walking in with the peace of God. People right now are wringing their hands and they're so anxious about what's going on in the world stage. Listen, we should have the peace of God that passes all understanding. We should have the joy of the Lord that is our strength. That we should literally change the temperature of the people we're around with our enthusiasm. A good attitude will cost you something. A good attitude will cost you something. It will cost you saying no to your emotions because let's just be honest. There are times when we don't feel like being happy. We don't feel like the joy of the Lord, right? So it will cost you to say, say no to your emotions and the things going on around you. And it costs by forcing you to put your confidence in God instead of what you see going on around you. But enthusiasm, can I just tell you, Philippians chapter four, verse four, you'll remember it says rejoice in the Lord always. We rejoice in all things because we know that God is faithful through all things. Now. So we talked a while ago, ladies, about you needing connection and security, right? All right. So let me let me let me help you out. So. Men, and, and I may be stretching, trying to force it into this point, but it's so good. You need to hear it. So, um, so men, just like women need security, men need respect, right? So a healthy respect in a marriage or in a relationship is not a yes, sir, respect. If your husband makes you say yes, sir, come see me. I, I'll fix him, right? So um, it's not a yes, sir, respect. That's not respect in a marriage. Respect in a marriage is an affirming respect, right? It's, it's affirming your husband. That speaks respect to us. When Tara and I, Tara, Tara you know, I'm convinced, uh, works harder than I do. At one point in time, Tara uh, was the marketing director for all three tsunami restaurants, the sushi restaurants, right? So she was the marketing director. Uh, she designed the logo and she was their marketing director. And so they would pay her in money and food. That's a good gig. I like sushi. 
So every Tuesday night at our house was sushi night. So there were times we would be sitting there eating sushi that she worked for. She provided and she would say this to the girls. Girls, aren't you so thankful we get to have sushi every week because dad works so hard? Aren't you so thankful we get to live where we live because dad works so hard? Can I just tell you, that's respect to me. Because it says this, someone noticed and acknowledged it in front of the people that matter to me. A while back, I was counseling a couple. And I'd been seeing them for about three months. And and the man was very engaged, but he was not emotional at all. And we got to, uh, again, a very wealthy couple. They had teenage kids. They all had vehicles and they would travel and they lived in a beautiful home and all this stuff. And one of our sessions, I looked at her and I said, I want to ask you a question. Hey, when was the last time you pulled up as a family to your house and you reminded your kids how blessed you are that you get to live where you live because of the work their dad does? She said, I don't think I've ever said that. I said, let me ask you a question. When was the last time that y'all took one of these expensive trips and on the trip you just took the opportunity to go, kids, can you believe we get to take these trips because dad works so hard? And when I said that, that man started to sob, sob. And she looked at him and she said, what's wrong? And he said, I feel like I'm a great provider, but no one ever notices it and no one ever acknowledges it. Ladies, Respect is simply speaking affirmation. Speaking affirmation and at times speaking it to the, around the people that really matter to us. Right? So women need connection. Women need insecurity. But men need respect. If you've never read Love and Respect, one of the things he talks about in there is the crazy cycle. Right? Women don't feel secure, so they don't give respect. Men don't feel respected, so they don't give love. Listen, somebody's got to break the cycle. Somebody's just got to say, it starts with me. I'm going to start to make a difference because I don't want to just be in a marriage. I want to be in a healthy marriage. I don't want to just be in a relationship. I want to be in a healthy relationship. So it takes time, truth, generosity, enthusiasm. Number five, forgiveness. A healthy relationship requires Forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness is the only bridge to continued friendship. The moment you burn that bridge, true relationship ends. Oh, you may still know each other. You may still have the same last name and sleep in the same bed, but it doesn't mean that you're in a healthy relationship. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says this. But for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Can I just tell you that the verses right before that is Jesus giving us the Lord's prayer, the Our Father? And how many people pray the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses, As 
We forgive those who trespass against us. And in case we, weren't, we didn't really hear it, Jesus goes in, then to this verses 14 and 15 to, to clarify that you only receive forgiveness when you're willing to forgive others. And how many people pray the Our Father over and over and over again with unforgiveness and resentment in their hearts? Listen, the goal isn't to just pray a prayer. The goal is to live a prayer. Amen? Forgiveness ultimately isn't between you and the person you won't forgive. Forgiveness is between you and the person who has already forgiven you. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But I know what Jesus did for you. I know what Jesus did for you. And I have a question to ask you. Is your offense greater than your need for God? And listen, I'm getting ahead of myself, but choosing to forgive doesn't mean you walk in relationship with that person because there are some relationships that need to die. But if you don't release it, that thing or that person owns a piece of you. When I was 12 years old, I was a paper boy. Some of you old people remember paper boys on bicycles, right? And I'd go deliver paper. Uh, this would have been in 1973, 75. Um, yeah, somewhere around there. And I'd go deliver papers. And at the end of my street, there was this uh, house that I would deliver paper to. And every, every afternoon, that man would walk out. His son, him and his son would be in the front yard. And that man would always talk to me. And one day he offered me a job and he said, hey, why don't you, why don't you let me pay you? You meet my son at the bus stop, bring him home, do his homework till me or my wife get home. I asked my parents again, a totally different day. And they're like, sure. Over time, that man tried to molest me. And I went home and I told my mother. And again, it was a different day. Today we call the police. That day, it was just don't ever go there again. Right after that, that man moved out of our neighborhood. I never saw the man again. I was 12 years old. Never saw the man again until I was 30 years old. When I was 30 years old, I walked into Albertsons on Johnson Street. And for the first time, I saw that man. And when I did, listen, I'm a very even kill person. I don't lose my temper. I don't. That's just not me. When I saw that man for the first time since I was 12 years old, I'm telling you, stuff started surfacing me that I, in me that I didn't know existed in me. It was rage. It was anger. I was already in ministry. I literally le- I walked, I left my buggy. I, I walked out. I got in my car. I went home. And that night I, I got with God. And I wrote down everything I remembered about what happened. Everything. And I remember holding that paper and telling God, God, I was 100% right. And that man was 100% wrong. But obviously, if I don't let this go, this is going to follow me. I built a fire. This is a great technique if you're trying to forgive someone. It's a great exercise, I should say. I built a little fire. And I held that paper in my hand and I prayed. And I said, God... I'm choosing to forgive and I'm choosing to release him and I'm asking you to help me. And I burned 
That piece of paper is a visual, visual reminder. That was when I was 30. Over the last 26 years, I've seen that man four times. The last was about a year ago. I'm sitting in a chiropractor's office, no bigger than this, and he walks in. And every single time, all that stuff starts to resurface in me. And I remind myself, I chose to let that go. I chose to forgive. And he does not own me because of the, because of the grace and the mercy of God. Amen? Listen. Proverbs 23, 7 says this in the New King, King James Version. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can I just tell you, when you've been wounded, when you've been wronged, you either forgive and release or you hold on to it and you rehearse. And listen, if you rehearse your hurt and you rehearse your pain as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you don't release it, there's a huge probability that you'll repeat it. It makes no sense that a child who grows up with all the pain and dysfunction of an alcoholic parent would grow up and become an alcoholic. But if you don't release it, you rehearse it. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It makes no sense that a, a child who, was, who grew up under abuse would, with all the dysfunction there and all the pain would grow up and become an abuser. But statistics tell us that's a huge probability Because what you don't release to God, you repeat. Can I just share this with you? I don't know what cycle that you look back on and say it was unhealthy then and it's unhealthy now. But that cycle needs to die and it needs to die with you because of the power that God has to set you free from that thing. But it begins with forgiveness. It begins with forgiveness. Listen. Again, remember. The goal isn't to just be in relationship. The goal is to be in healthy relationships. And people are going to hurt us. Let's be honest. People are going to hurt us. We're going to hurt people, right? You just have to decide which relationships are worth hurting for. Because there's probably some relationships that we need to walk away from. But then there's others that are worth hurting for. There are others that are healthy and good for us. I want to encourage you. You may need to build a bridge today. You may have someone that you've not forgiven. And you need to reach out to them. Send them a text. Send them a card. Can I just tell you? Walking in forgiveness or getting forgiveness doesn't mean you have to rehash all your pain. You might need to send somebody a text today just going, hey, I thought about you today. You know what that's going to say to them? We're okay. Hey, hey, I just want you to know I love you. And again, I'm, listen, there is, some, there is some pain, some hurts, some relationships that have no business being in your life. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about other relationships. All right. So we need time. We need truth. We need generosity, enthusiasm, forgiveness. <clears throat> Second to last, number six, we need boundaries. We need boundaries. Boundaries are the house all healthy relationships live in. We all have heard in our past, but that doesn't mean we should hold everyone liable or suspect because of what we've gone through or because of what someone else has done to us. 
When we've been hurt, we tend to want to build a wall. And that may be understandable, but it doesn't mean it's healthy. Last time I preached just a few weeks ago in conflict, I talked about the, the, the principle of leaving and entering. And it, the principle of leaving and entering says the way we leave one relationship determines how we enter the next. And if we don't get forgiveness and health here, we're going to carry that stuff over to the next. And so we've got to make sure that we have both walls and gates. Walls keep some people out, but gates leave, let other people in. Walls keep the bad people out. Gates let the good people in. And we need to know which one is appropriate. We need to pray for the wisdom of God to know which relationships we should walk away from and which ones are worth fighting for. If you spend all your life behind a wall, you risk missing God's gift to you in the people he wants to connect you to. Spiritual family. I have a great, great family. But there are things I get from my spiritual family that I don't get from my natural family. And there's some of you who this really is your family. There's a great church in Bayou Gosh uh, outside of New Orleans and uh, that Tara and I are connected to Trey and Allie. We're actually on staff as worship pastors at that church. It's a great, great church. And they brought me in a couple of times. And last year, last February, they brought me in to do a marriage conference. And, and, and I was doing a marriage conference on Saturday. Then I was preaching on the Sunday. And between a couple of the sessions, I met this man named Marty. Marty was a great guy, lived there in Bayou Gosh. And I began to ask him about his connection to the church. And, and I asked him how long they had been in the church. And he told me, I don't remember. But Marty said this, and I've never, ever forgotten it. He said this, when we found this church, we found our family. When we found this church, we found our family. Listen, maybe you're here today and you don't have a great family, a natural family, or maybe you're disconnected from them, or maybe you just live far away from them. Listen, we want to be family to you, but you got to let us in. Don't build a wall. Maybe you were hurt in a past church. Don't build a wall. Just let there be a gate and let us help you. Let us walk with you. Let us be a part of your journey. Galatians chapter 6 gives us some real insight maybe into walls versus gates. It says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For anyone thinks, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Do you see the contradiction there? The very first words say this, bear one another's burdens. The very last words say each one shall bear his own load. That sounds like a contradiction, but it's not because it's two totally different Greek words. The first word in the first context of bear one another's burdens is a Greek word, baros. It means to carry a, help someone carry a load that's so heavy they can't carry it by themselves. But at the end of the, the, the passage where it says, each one shall bear his own load, it's a, a Greek word that's fortion, fortion. And it means 
responsibility, a person who isn't willing to help themselves. And what he's saying is there are times when people are walking through a burden that is just too much for them. And we need to be right there with them, helping them with their burden. But there are other times when there are people who just keep repeating the same process over and over and over again and will not take responsibility for themselves. And sometimes we got to back away and let God handle them. Do you see the difference? Again, bear one another's burdens. Each one should bear his own. I always talk to parents about the story of the prodigal son. Think about the story of the prodigal son. You've got this son who goes in and demands his inheritance early. And then he takes it and he squanders. He leaves his father and squanders it. Let me just say this. The story implies that the man was a man of means and he could have gone after his son, but he did not. And the man, the, the young man goes and squanders all that he has. And this Jewish boy ends up in a pig pen. Feeding pigs and things get so bad that the Bible tells us he's not only feeding the pigs, he's eating the same slop as the pigs. And listen to this. The best part of the story is that in that moment, the Bible says this in the pig pen. He came to himself and realized the servants at his father's house had it better than that. And so he got up and he went home. And, you know, the story, the Bible says that as he approached home, his father, who was waiting and watching, ran to him to accept him back. Can I tell you this? Sometimes as parents sometimes as spouses and sometimes as friends, we do everything we can to keep them from the pig pen when sometimes it's only in the pig pen that they're open to God speaking to them and really doing a work in them. And so maybe there are some people we need to help with their load and there are other people we need to quit enabling and let God take care of that. There are people who have a history of of, uh, attracting terrible relationships one after another. Can I just share this with you? We typically don't attract what we want. We typically attract what we are. And sometimes broken people attract broken people. And maybe the goal is to get healthy so we begin to attract healthy people. Right? So, we need time, we need truth, generosity, enthusiasm, forgiveness, boundaries, and then lastly, we need blessing. A healthy relationship should have blessing. Let me take you to the account of when Jesus was baptized in water. It's Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says this, one day Jesus came from Nazareth Nazareth in Galilee And John baptized him in the Jordan River. As soon as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Another translation says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased and you bring me great joy. There are three things we see here that God gave to Jesus in that moment. Number one, he claimed him. He claimed him. He said, this is my son. This is my son. I claim him. Can I just tell you, those two friends of mine, 
I remind them regularly, you're my best friend. You're my best friend because I want them to know their place in my life. I want them to know that's how I see them. Can I just tell you, we all want to belong, don't we? Maybe you need to remind somebody today in your life how important they are. Maybe you need to remind them how important they are and give them permission and access to simply walk the journey with you. He claimed him and then he named him. He said, this is my son who I love. And then he blessed him and he said, in him, I am well pleased. He claimed him or he claimed him. He named him. He blessed him. And blessing will bring you into a healthy relationship. That maybe where there was, there was some, some tension, just open that door if that's a relationship that's healthy and is going to be to your benefit. Because they need to know how you see their place in their, in their lives. You remember the book of John, right? When you read through the, John, the book of John, it regularly says, John the beloved or John whom, the, whom Jesus loved. Do you know who wrote the book of John? John, right? But he knew his place with Jesus. Jesus, I'm his beloved. I'm the one he loves. My kids will regularly go, Dad, tell us the truth. Dad, Dad, which one do you love better? Who's your favorite? And I just look at Gabby and go, Gabby, you are my favorite. And Madeline, you're my favorite. Dad, don't do that. Tell us which one. There are people in my life that I want them to know. You're my favorite. You're my best friend. Because I want them to know how I see them. And listen, you need people like that in your life. But can I just tell you this? You also need Jesus in your life like that. There are times when I talk to people who have lived their whole life trying to gain their father's approval or their mother's approval or a sibling's approval. They lived their whole life trying to gain someone's approval. Sometimes those people are deceased and they're still trying to please them. I just tell you, God has healthy relationships for you, but it begins with you surrendering to a relationship with him. I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you just bow your heads where you are? I want to ask you two questions. The first one is this. If you're here today and you say, I need to deal with some relationships. I I need to either forgive some people or I need to end some relationships or I need to strengthen some relationships. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? Yep, all over the auditorium, all over, all over, all over. Okay, I want to pray for you real quick, but I don't want anybody leaving because I have one more most important question to ask you. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you said you saw every hand that was raised. And Lord, there are other people here who maybe didn't raise their hand, but, but there's that stuff at work. God, I pray today that you would give us the ability to forgive those who have wronged us. God, that you have given us the ability to forgive those who have hurt us. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to know which relationships to invest in and which relationships to let go of. 
Lord, you said in James chapter one, verse five, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. Father, today we pray, give us the wisdom of God and give us the mind of Christ to get from where we are to a healthier place. In Christ's name we pray. Would you keep your heads bowed? I want to ask you this question. You're here today and you say, I really need a relationship with Jesus. I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. And that's really where I need to start. And it is. Listen, you'll never know generosity till you know Jesus. You'll never know forgiveness till you know the forgiveness that God offers. You'll, you'll never know these things until you walk in relationship with him. So you're here today and you say, I- I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. And I just want you to include me in that final prayer. Would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else today? Thank you. I'm going to pray a prayer. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. That if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and he was raised from the dead, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to pray a prayer with you today. And I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. And I'm going to ask every believer in this room to pray in support of you. Listen, here's what you need to know. This prayer doesn't save you. It's just you calling out to God. It's it's you uh, allowing God to come and save you. I'm just helping you to articulate what the Holy Spirit is doing in you right now. Can we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for it. I believe that you faced hell for me. So I would not have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven. A purpose on earth. And a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my father. Jesus is my savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we celebrate with these today?